the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. Welcome to the Lloyd's List Podcast, your weekly view on the story shaping shipping. I'm Richard Mead, editor of Lloyd's List. This week, we're bringing you a short taster of our live 2019 Outlook business briefing that we held in London on December the 11th. It was a great event where I was joined on stage by a delightfully diverse panel of industry experts to debate the key challenges and opportunities that shipping will face over the next 18 months. On stage, I had Citigroup's Head of Shipping, Michael Parker, Allianz Global Head of Marine Risk, Captain Rahul Khanna, CEO of Toto Theo and President of Wister, Despina Theodosiu, Shipping Analyst Extraordinaire, Podcast Regular and Managing Director of Shipping Strategy, Mark Williams, Valtzilla's Tech Guru, Jürgen Strandberg, and the wonderfully insightful Head of Sustainability from Wallenius Willemson, Roger Strevens. The podcast chat is only a short snippet of the full debate, which included discussions around what the best investment opportunity for shipping will be next year, what is the greatest challenge to efficiency, and what's the biggest risk to shipping over the next five years. We also got into whether shipping has taken its eye off the ball when it comes to safety, a bit of diversity chat, whether shipping will ever recover its cost of capital, and aside from fuel-efficient technology, what's going to be the most significant driver of change over the next five years? It was a genuinely fascinating debate, and Lloyd's List subscribers are going to be able to listen to the full hour-and-a-half recording or watch the video. Subscribers can also dive a little deeper with our series of market outlooks, and the full Lloyd's List 2019 Outlook Report is now available to buy, and you can find links on LloydsList.com to our e-commerce store. Consider it a perfect stocking filler for those relatives who are always going to cherish an authoritative forecast on the key drivers shaping the shipping markets over the next 18 months. Trust me, it's going to go down better than socks. For now, though, I'll let you enjoy the panel's consideration of the big macro issues that are going to define next year, starting with Mark Williams' particularly pertinent thoughts on the uncertainty of politics in 2019. So, the, the broad question, what are the challenges and opportunities that shipping will face in 2019? Mark, I want to start with you. We've had a, a, an interesting year. Um, I think you and I have discussed this over uh, many conversations, and I think probably the conclusion that we've come to is the only certainty that we've got to look forward to in 2019 is uncertainty. But what do you think? I mean, what, what, what are the, what's going to be the defining factors of 2019 in terms of the macro picture? Uh, for 2019, I think the biggest macro risk that shipping faces is political. Um, we have moved into an era of deglobalization. Um, the WTO has proven itself to be irrelevant um, as far as things go these days. The Doha trade round never even completed. Uh, we've replaced globalization with bilateralism and transactionalism. Um, the art of the deal has become supreme. Um, the tariff situation and the 90-day furlough in the US-Chinese trade spat um, has yet to be proven to be either beneficial or disadvantageous to shipping, but there is every opportunity for it to go very wrong. Uh, shipping remains in thrall uh, for demand to the uh, growth of the emerging markets, in particular to China and India and Southeast Asia. Uh, and any downturn in the growth in those markets is going to be uh, bad news for, for shipping. So uh, any effects that trade tariffs may have on the growth of those economies is not going to be good for the demand side of the equation. Uh, economically, um, the signs are quite mixed at the moment for 2019. We have good growth in the United States. 
Um, we have uh, weak growth in Europe. We've got riots in the streets of France. Uh, we've got the whole Brexit thing, which I won't go into just now. Um, and um, in Latin America, we have a, a populist now in charge of Brazil, the biggest economy in Latin America. Um, South Africa, which seemed like a, a great shining beacon for sub-Saharan African economic growth, part of the BRICS many years ago, uh, is, is now going very backwards. Um, and so there isn't a great amount of uh, hope for strong economic growth around the world in 2019. And we have to remember that shipping is really, although it looks like an industry because it's made of heavy things, you know, the, the ships themselves and the commodities, that actually it's a service industry. It's there to, to serve economic growth. So. Um, things like, you know, we're at the bottom of the interest rate cycle or we've come through the bottom and the interest rate cycle is moving up again. Um, so uh, there will be some challenges there in terms of the cost of finance for shipping over the coming years. And then we have the regulatory risks and I know we're going to talk about those more so I won't um, go into those just now. So mixed signals for 2019 but some, some definite warning signs about what might happen to demand as a consequence of political interference in markets. Optimistic as ever. This is why I like talking to Mark. It's, uh, it's always a joy. Um, Despina, let's, uh, let's move to you. you you've, uh, you're in an interesting position because, uh, you know, in addition to the very broad range of clients you have at Totatheo, uh, I'm interested in terms of the sentiment you're getting um, from the from the Wister side because, you know, they are increasingly a network that is uh, penetrating all aspects and facets of the industry. And I'm, you know, assuming you've got a pretty good handle in terms of uh, you know, the sentiment in the market. What's, what's your feeling in terms of the, the real opportunities and threats next year? Well, um, in my view, the opportunities and the threats are the same. So it's regulation, digitalization, and I would add diversity to the mix. Mm. Um, when it comes to uh, environmental re regulation, of course, we will talk about it more. But um, it's difficult because the ship owners are between a rock and a hard place at the moment. So uh, we, we all know the difficulties. But at the same time, it's an opportunity because um, it's an opportunity for us as an industry to clean up and, and also uh, improve our reputation uh, to the outside world, outside shipping, I mean. Um, then digitalization, I think there's fear there because um, shipping industry, as, as we know, it is changing. And there's some pushback I see uh, from some sides of the industry uh, when it comes to that, and perhaps denial. Um, but at the same time, it's an opportunity because we can improve our operations and, and uh, we can save at a time where every little bit helps. Mm. And again, diversity. I would say, again, it's the fear of change. Um, but we see uh, diversity issues being discussed with more mat maturity, I would say, especially in the last year. And we see the industry, not only women, everyone in the industry, realizing that there's a benefit of being inclusive and not excluding 50% of the working force. So uh, again, I would say uh, there are many challenges, but it depends on how we look at them to turn them into opportunities for our industry. Mm. Absolutely. Roger, I, I joked about the, sort of the, the, the breadth of the questions that uh, you posed when we were discussing this to start with, but I think that in itself is telling. You know, there's more questions than there are answers right now. We've heard uncertainty, the fear of change. Give us something to be optimistic about. Come on, what's, what's the opportunities as well as the threats here? I, well, for each one of the, uh, for the, the challenges that we're talking about, there are two ways of looking at that. It can be viewed as a threat if you're not inclined to, to engage. Um, 
uh, if you approach it early, you apply the right level of resources, the right kind of focus, then you're better off, uh, you stand yourself in better stead than uh, if you don't do that. Now, the dilemma for a lot of the, in, uh, the industry uh, that you've just alluded to is that a lot of the industry is just struggling to get to the end of the week. And so to, you know, to, to get your head above the parapet and see, you know, deal with these bigger, unusual challenges that are coming is, uh, is a very, very difficult thing to do. Um, certainly our approach has to try to be to, you know, to engage with these issues from a very early stage. Uh, we began, I suppose, our preparations for, for 2020 back in 2012 um, because, well, first we had the eco-change in 2015, but you have to, uh, to engage. You cannot just rely on the, the experiences that others have had because a lot of the technical solutions we have for 2020, for ex just taking that as an example, they're very case-specific the right solution for a particular kind of vessel, and never mind an individual vessel, uh, will depend on how, what uh, the design of that vessel, how it's operated, and so on and so forth. Mm. Yeah, I think we, we often lose sight of quite what a specific industry we are in. You know, the standardization that we aspire to hasn't yet taken hold. And, you know, the, um, the, the decisions that ship owners are making, you know, your clients, I mean, Jürgen, let's bring you in here. It's very interesting um, to be in your position because you're simultaneously focusing on the immediate 2020 question, the immediate what do I do to get through to the end of the week, uh, tell my clients question. But the nature of your business is also long-term uh, thought leadership around how things could change, the scenario planning, but you are dealing with these uncertainties. How do you balance that? You know, what are the uncertainties and uh, threats and opportunities that you see for next year? First of all, you can't balance it. You've got to offer both. Um, of course, the, the, the short and long-term profitability of, of every shipping company, uh, as you said, that, that's a key. And, and we believe it's in the digitalization. There is easily a 10% uh, OPEX gain if you do it properly. Mm. Uh, and of course, but there is a hurdle because there is a cost initially to, to do that. So, so we're also trying to change the business models of that and, and do it as a service and, and, and et cetera. And, and this is just to get to the, to the short one. But, we, we have to face it, the planet we're living on uh, has issues, and, and, and we are a player in that. And um, so, so the, the long-term purpose still have to be to, to, um, to get all the entire workforce in to a sustainable living. The, the UN has great goals on, uh, on uh, uh, sustainable development. Mm. And uh, we are a player in, in uh, the items 11 and 13, and, and we, should, we should do that. And um, I'm proud to work for a company who is actually trying, who, mm. who, uh, and trying together with the owners. It's not that we're going to do it. We have to be uh, providing technologies and solution ideas on how to get through that and come out with the shipping sector that I love uh, uh, it, it, for the planet in the, in the end as a, as a good player. Mm. Not, not the one who, who turned their back and, and walked on and think, thought that uh, business as usual, don't bother us, you know. We, 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 we can do better. Well, we're certainly going to come and, um, and build on some of those themes uh, shortly. But before we do, Michael, I, I want to bring you in, you know, your, your, your broad brush thoughts in terms of where the challenges and uh, threats are for 2019. You always invite me, Richard. I do. Due to that masochistic streak in you, and I always remind you what a printed newspaper looks like. 
those of us who remember Lloyd's List when it was a newspaper. Can, can you submit um, your comments on Slido? My, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. You, don't, you don't want to talk about 2050, but this MERSC sets 2050 zero carbon target is important because, of course, the decisions being made today are what's going to head towards that. I'll come back to that in a moment. And, and this is the Sustainable Development Goals that Jürgen mentioned. Now, this is what the world and industry and business is working towards. The ESG, which I didn't know what it stood for until about six months ago, <clears throat> the Environmental Social Governance Agenda, which is driving something like $6 trillion of investment, is on the agenda of every company in the world, whether financial, industrial, whatever. Every industry is therefore going to have to respond to that, whether in its internal uh, regulation, if you like, or how it manages itself, or in particular, if you're a service industry, what do your customers want? And I think the big opportunity for the shipping industry is in facing the challenges that its customers, the energy industry, the, <clears throat> the ultimately the consumer, will demand, which will reflect its own environmental, those companies' environmental agenda, that CSR as we used to call it, will then determine what shipping has to do. So the pace of change is happening very quickly. So ESG is more important than digitization. Because digitization is like electricity. The effect of it will be long, it started, and will take a long time. ESG is now. And so the whole issue of things like scrubbers and things is very relevant. Because as soon as an oil company tells a ship owner, I'm not going to charter a ship if it has a scrubber, you change the whole commercial relationship. And I think what has to happen is the shipping industry has to say, fine, in doing that, we must also improve the way you do business with us. So the, reason, so the excuse of tankering has been paid months afterwards. That's also got to change. So the industry, I think, has to have the courage to accept what's happening to it and respond uh, positively and aggressively to make it work. The one thing, and I know you'll come back to this, that plagues the industry is oversupply, and that's often being caused by excess money. Now, I feel that the money isn't going to be there, which is a good thing, but the industry has to control its capacity. And if it does that, then the issue of bunker adjustment factors in container, getting paid if you're a tanker owner, will also correct itself. So discipline around capacity and facing up to the external agenda and stop being so inward-looking and that makes it a huge opportunity for the industry now. But 2050 is important because the investment decisions being made now will make a difference. If you've got a ship with a 25-year life or if you're an LNG or cruise, even longer than that. So I understand you want to talk about today and tomorrow, not then, but the decisions today have a huge impact on what will happen. Well, I, I, I think it is impossible to just focus on the here and now. My, my feeling is that uh, the industry has a tendency towards uh, generational thinking. Um, and to that extent, uh, you will know better than anyone that the industry's uh, ability to kick the can down the road when it comes to dealing with problems um, is legendary. And um, I feel that certainly within the, you know, the digitize, digitalization debate, there is a, a, you know, a, a fairly broad um, spectrum between the, sort of the tangible pilot projects that have the possibility of changing real uh, sort of efficiencies and, and, and absolute sort of operational aspects of the industry 
and the um, slightly nebulous puff that uh, we are presented with from uh, marketing departments uh, around the industry trying to sell us technology to solve a problem that perhaps doesn't exist in some cases. Um, but you know, I, I, the, we, we have to think uh, in terms of 2050 and uh, 2020 uh, because you know, these, these, these uh, assets have you know, at the very least a 20 year lifespan. Um, e even with the, uh, the asset lifespan coming down as it is these days. Um, Roger, I know you wanted to chip in there. Do you want to briefly chip in before I bring Rahul in on the risk yeah. side? I, I thought it was a very good point that you made about ESG, Michael, because what we see is this grand convergence that's happening between the world of sustainability and the world of business. These used to be poles apart, but now if you think of what's happening, if you look at 2020 as an example, right, that's something which requires uh, operational and technical preparation, but it also requires commercial preparation because the industry can't bear this cost. You need to have a customer discussion about that. And that's a whole different kind of prepar preparation. So there's just one example of something that's you know, really sustainable in its, its origins is becoming business. Another example is on uh, diversity. We are uh, reporting onto the GRI standard and linking it all to the sustainable development goals. One of the material aspects for us, and I'm sure this is similar for many companies, is diversity. Mm. And our stakeholders, we are a listed company, our stakeholders and investors, they want to know what's the data, what's our performance, what are our plans, how are we going to improve. It's one of the things which we get, uh, I get asked about uh, very often. So I think this is our new normal. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. Before we move on, I want to bring uh, Rahul in uh, because I want to talk briefly about the changing nature of risk within the industry, and that's obviously something that you deal with on a daily basis. It is changing. The industry has changed. The, the, the size of the assets, the value of the assets. Um, one of the questions we're going to come to shortly is, you know, has the industry taken its eye off the ball when it comes to safety? Now, some interesting Twitter poll results on that. I'd be interested to see what the room thinks. But what's your general feeling? What's the, how has the nature of risk changed? And, and where do you see the greatest risk uh, for 2019? I think let me start with the good news first. Uh, over the last decade from our safety and shipping review study and analytics of all the total losses that we've done, uh, in the last 10 years, we've reduced total losses in the industry by as much as 35 to 40%. Which is, which is a big number. And 10 years ago, it used to be more than 150 losses every year. We're down to 98, uh, sorry, 94 in the last year. Now, this, this, is a, this is a trend which has been going on for, for many, many years. And I think industry can, one of the few things on which we can congratulate ourselves that we have done something to reduce uh, the number of losses that we've seen over the years. And I think this is down to um, the efforts of industry on its own, uh, some regulatory efforts, some of the work that has been done by Classification societies, IMO as well. I know um, there's a lot of criticism about the pace of uh, change that IMO can bring. However, I think over the over the long term long term period, things have moved in the right direction. Um, coming on to the other side, how how we see risk today, how things have changed in shipping. I think just to give you an example how container ships have changed in the last 30, 40 years. Since the time the first container ship was, uh, was, uh, was made, it has grown in size by 1,500%. We are looking at 24,000 TU vessels today. Um, what we used to deal with, uh, with 10 years ago is completely different today. Um, we have the, the losses like the Merskernum, which is a recent loss. We had the losses like the Sanchi, all a very unfortunate loss with a lot of lo uh, loss of life. 
uh, we, when we look at these, the size of the vessel, the, the values at stake today, and not just, not just the dollar values, but environmental issue, what environmental impact that they can have now, is, is changing very rapidly. I think that is something that we still need to tackle. That is where we have a lot of challenges still to, to deal with. I mean, some of those things, uh, we are looking at container fires, which is a big problem today, that uh, the larger the vessel is, it becomes very difficult to contain these fires. Uh, the industry needs to come up with the answer. We know the uh, economies of scale have driven the size of the ships, and which is, which is the way to go, yes. But in parallel, we also need to make sure we are looking and containing the risks that comes along with it. I think this is where we have struggled a little bit. Uh, and going forward into the next year and a few years ahead, these are the things we'll have to look forward to. Some of the other challenges that I think we are going to face is, is, is a cyber risk is one of the big issues, uh, a big talking point. We haven't seen, fortunately, a, a major loss because of it. But now, um, so far, we used to see cyber losses on shore side of the shipping industry. But it's also creeping in into onboard ships, where we have uh, seen few instances where ships have been delayed, um, have lost propulsion, have had uh, complete navigation uh, instrument failures right in the middle of fog uh, and traffic dense areas, which could lead to a, a very big disaster in the future. So I think. Overall, looking at things, we have done a lot of good work as an industry, but a lot remains to be done uh, on, on many different aspects. That brings to our final day.